and welcome to A Nightmare on Fear Street, a monstrous podcast about all things horror. If you like what you hear today, then you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can also rate and review us on Apple iTunes. Checking us out at allmylinks.com backslash A Nightmare on Fear Street. You can also find our Patreon info there if you want merch and exclusive content. Today, we're covering the classic Night of the Living Dead. Because our Patreon subscribers decided we should do Summer Randos, chosen by Shutter TV. And this is what was on Thursday, June 10th at 6.30 p.m., a.k.a. my birthday. Thanks for the gift, Shutter TV. Thanks for the gift, Patreons. I like it. It fits. Yes, 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 yes. I'm aware of my apartment because I still can't go nowhere. What? (laughs) So yeah, this continues our summer content. So let's just get down into these general thoughts, Sheree. What do we think about this classic film? I hadn't seen this movie since I was a child, even though I wanted to cover it forever because I saw Horror Noir. And I was like, I didn't realize how monumental this was as a child. So I need to watch it as an adult where I could fully appreciate it mm-hmm. as opposed to being like zombies, yay. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually had never watched it. I'd never seen it before. Oh. And, and of course, you know, it's one you have to see, duh. And yeah. number one, but I, but I somehow always said the line, they're coming for, to get you, Barbara. <laughs> it's iconic. It's iconic. It's like, so good. <laughs> this movie lives in pop culture infamy um, for valid reasons, unlike a lot of things that are living there. But those are different episodes. Right, right. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, I was actually hoping there would be more conversation around this movie, especially because Where Was Within is coming out might be out when we drop this because I'm bad at math I'm not sure because we don't see a whole lot of black male leads in the genre especially when it's not a Jordan Hill production right no I, he walked in and I was like okay black man I, I, okay. right and he, right? Real, and he was real attractive so he's real fucking attractive and he's taking charge and I was into it um but yeah no because I was like I definitely feel like we should be having this conversation especially because this is Sam Richardson's first leading role as far as I'm aware and I've always wondered where is Sam Richardson because he's always like cool sidekicks and like cool bit part characters and he's leading werewolves within. And I'm like, hey, hey, this is a conversation. And people are like, it's Sunday. And I'm like, I'm losing my shit. <laughs> <laughs> and y'all are just like, oh yeah, no, this happens all the time. Like, does it though? What are you watching? Cause it's not what I'm watching. Right, let us know, send us a DM, please. Right, like we just did the Alien franchise for my birthday and how many black men were sacrificed? One to two. <laughs> <laughs> One to two per movie, and none of them were leads, um, even though a lot of them have amazing resumes. And so I, I want more of a conversation around this, but I'm also wondering that's reflective of how many Black people are working for certain places that should be writing these articles, as opposed to not working in these places who should be writing well, these articles. And it's really interesting that, like, you know, this movie came out in. Uh, 68. 68 68 so if they can have a black man lead, male lead directed by a white man in 68 yeah hello. and it's not a <laughs> bunch of stereotypes and it's not offensive because the few times i do usually see a black male lead in something that is like mainstream media not like a black production i end up wanting to like fight the director in the parking lot and so again <laughs> why are we not having more conversations about this and whereas within i will get off of the soapbox but still I am upset nobody's writing these articles or I can't find them because I don't have time to write them as I sit around looking at my boxes in my living room <laughs> and crying through Tribeca. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah. Yes, Sheree is in the process of moving. So cool. that's fun. 
<laughs> it's a process, y'all. It's a process. It's a different F word, but we'll take fun for this one. So <laughs> I thought that the score was really, really effective in this film, um, especially, which is it's one of my notes, so I'll get more into it later. But that, uh, that first chase scene with Barbara and the zombie that's after her, that score, I was like, y'all, y'all gonna have to calm down. This chase scene is taking forever. I'm having heart palpitations. <sighs> no, like, I, I love the score, and it sort of works hand in hand. My other thing is the cinematography. Those two married each other and worked in a way we don't always get because yes. usually those two aren't talking. And so you got two different movies, visually and auditorily. <laughs> well, and yeah, the, the, the use of light specifically, like that moment, yeah. one, when they're outside trying to get the truck, which we'll get into that moment a little bit. Um, but the moment when they're in the house and the power gets cut and it goes from light to like darkness and you only see the highlights gorgeous like i would put it i would frame a still of that and put it on my wall listen listen <laughs> it's just it's such a gorgeous movie and again it just goes back to how people had to be creative when they couldn't just like call the cgi department to be like make people afraid <laughs> um this was not a conversation back then well so it, it's just so much better it's so much better all right well let's get into our specific notes on the movie barbara is the worst she um, makes no sense. None. She she was as she made as much sense as a bag of potatoes with the crying and the falling. And I I don't like the fact that her trauma was like used in that way to make her a worthless woman stereotype. Uh, uh. Yeah, and okay, so this is one of my notes too. None of the white characters made any sense at all. Like they all were acting real strange. Barbara had the most strangeness for yeah. sure. But like, one, do they not know how to pump gas? Did they just like, woo, 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 look at my gas, pour gas everywhere. <laughs> and also, if a truck is on fire, let's just step away from the truck that's on fire. That might be an idea. Listen, Ben was the only person who made sense. And I felt that in my soul because I've worked in a lot of PWIs and people don't want to do the logical thing. And they also don't know how to talk about the issues that need to be talked about. And so they keep talking around it. Right. And it's not efficient. And so I ended up quitting. <laughs> and so I, I felt Ben's, I felt where Ben was in my soul. Um, ben is me. Me is Ben. We is we. And right. so, yeah. It was another also, reason why I was happy he was a lead. Right. Right. I loved it. And then the, the two couple, they had one, they had no chemistry. Um, and two. Both couples. <laughs> both couples. And yeah. And the mom, it was like, uh, just. Mm. so many choices were made by the white people in this movie <laughs> so many choices <laughs> and none of them made sense also why are you barricading yourself in a basement nothing can go good they want to die with their daughter it makes no sense and then you want everybody else to go down that basement with you like what I also I also had thoughts about how Harry kept trying to like be in control and so I love when Ben would just school him real quick like when he called him stupid in 19 different ways and he told him he was in charge I lived for that moment because Harry was like I'm the old white man we're gonna do what I say and Ben's like do we want to die today and when he ended up punching him in the face I was like thank you I've been wanting to do this whole movie I have never advocated for violence more in my life <laughs> um <laughs> when Ben put hands on Harry 
I <laughs> I'd throw like, them out to the zombies. I'd have been like, y'all have to, bye. Right? Here's a meal. Um, everybody would have been better off if Harry had just like not come out of the basement. He was it, he was just so abused. Like okay, and I think this was intentional, maybe hopefully, that he was like the embodiment of everything that is toxic masculinity. Like when he was listing off why they couldn't make it to the safety zone, and he was like, "Well, we have two women, and or three women, and one of them is out of her mind," and. Like, as if, A, having women made you any less weak than having your old ass. His list, because I, I clocked that list, because I was like, you asshole. Because he's like, we have a sick child and three women. And I was like, and we have you with your pants pulled up to your neck who could only, like, bark and not and do you know anything. What? As useless as Barbara was, she just had, like, a 10-minute chase scene. What were you doing sitting in the basement? Listen. Listen. Ugh. <laughs> With your daughter, who you won't admit has been bitten by a zombie, which I knew from the beginning. They're like, she's sick. I'm like, sick in a zombie movie? This ain't gonna end well. Also, <laughs> right. And they, in, in, when they're on the news, they literally say that it doesn't matter how you die. If you die, you're coming back. Listen. So even <laughs> if she had pneumonia, she's still gonna die and come back as a zombie. So, yeah. sorry. You, you can't put a sheet on it and rub it away when it's gonna be a zombie. That's not how that works. <laughs> the same your normal cold. <laughs> right. Look, I, I knew she was a zombie from the beginning. And like, I, I don't know why nobody else was like, you said your kid is sick. Let's talk about this. Because right. when they would ask, they'd be like, oh, she's sick. And people would leave it alone. And I was like, no, you got to push further. You got to push right. further. <laughs> you got a sick zombie in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> so there, uh, there, there were some <laughs> moments that I thought were really funny. And it kind of, I don't know, I'm kind of left with questions. So... And the, the news person says that the it's only affecting the unburied dead. So I guess if you're buried, you're good. But if you're not buried, and then that line about the cadaver with no limbs. <laughs> I want to see that movie now. I want to see somebody in, sci- in biology who's working on this cadaver and all of a sudden, like, <laughs> no, no arms, no legs. <laughs> Worst medical experience ever. <laughs> I but laughed yeah, so hard. I just, I, so I missed the movies that would just throw us in because most movies today would have definitely been like, here's how the zombies got made. Here are the zombies' backstories. And these zombies come on breaking shit and eating people. And I'm here for that. I want more of that. <laughs> yeah. And I thought it was really interesting that beginning a zombie movie in a cemetery, that was a really fun choice. It felt very, I mean, R.I.P. Buffy, but it felt very Buffy because Buffy was always patrolling the cemetery and she would go down. And so, like, even if I had never been afraid of cemeteries, which I always have been, I would have been like, cemeteries are bad places. Let's not do cemeteries. Right. Yeah. But it was, yeah, I was like, this is an interesting, okay, I like it. And then the zombie's, like, walking around the cemetery saying hello to his buddies. Maybe he was trying to dig up the bodies so they would be unburied bodies. And they'd be come back to life. He wanted more friends. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that's what they were doing this whole time and we missed it. <laughs> <laughs> I I also really, 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 really just need people to get back to that school of thought because I feel like over the last few years we've gotten weighed down by people who ask too many questions of a movie, if that makes sense. 
because they can't just have fun and they can't just like be in the moment. They need to be like, how do these zombies get made? Who made them? Umbrella Corp is what? And I'm just like, no, we don't need a nine hour movie for a zombie to rip somebody's head off and suck the juice out. Give me the juicy parts. Give me, give me the juice. We had too many. We had too much juice with Alien. Okay, let's calm down with the juice. Oh, that was that was KY Jelly. That's different. What? <laughs> <laughs> that is not what Lizzo was thinking about. Um, <laughs> that was... I hope not. <laughs> um, I also want to say that uh, I've already t- kind of talked about it real- before, but that opening chase scene with Barbara is honestly now now that I've finally seen this classic film, one of my favorite chase scenes in cinema history at this point. Not my favorite, but one of, I would put it in top five for sure. The the camera work, the score, her performance, the desperation in her eyes, just needing to get away. She just saw her brother die, like fantastic, classic. It was, it was so off the walls and it set the tone for this wild world. But also before I get into agreeing with a lot of that, I just have to say, I didn't know they were related. They were both dressed to the nines. So I thought this was a weird cemetery date. And I was like, are people doing that in the 60s? Going to the cemeteries to hook up? And then I was like, oh, okay, they're siblings. <laughs> well, I could, besides the father, the husband and wife, because that's only because they had a child together, did I know any relationship. I thought that the two that died in the truck, I thought they might have been siblings too, because they're a couple. There wasn't, until, they, until they kissed. And I was like, oh, well, I hope you're not siblings anymore, but... <laughs> We'll get into that couple in a minute because like I, I'm gonna talk to Barbara a little bit longer. <laughs> but yeah, no, that opening was just like off the rails because you're like, okay, this is weird. They're in a cemetery. A cemetery. What's a cemetery? What is a cemetery? A crematory and a cemetery put together. <laughs> My brain just snapped. She was like, you, you done today. Don't rest. I am I am the gift of that girl who's like, I nap right here. Um, <laughs> I lay down. Um <laughs> But yeah, they're in the cemetery <laughs> and the factory. Um, the factory. Um, but they are in the cemetery. <laughs> Y'all, if you don't watch RuPaul's Drag Race, you won't get that reference. Don't think we're won't crazy. Get it. No. <laughs> um, yeah, like most of our references are from there. So just like go ahead and get like an appendix or a dictionary. Just go get uh, Paramount Plus and put it on. <laughs> Listen, um, but. They are in the cemetery, <laughs> um, and like the tone is being set. Like it's not like I don't know. This is a horror movie. It's like, hey, this is creepy. Also, here's a cemetery. Also, they're coming to get you, Barbara. And then he gets his face like snatched off, they're and she starts running. To get you, Barbara. Which I love. It's just so dramatic. I I love it. They're coming to get you. I just why is that <laughs> the best thing ever? That but man. But it, in that set that relationship because that was the perfect sibling kind of like poking fun at you oh they're Mm -hmm. coming to get you barbara that man has two scenes and we remember him because (laughs) of that iconic line and again we don't get a lot of that today now people have two scenes they were like oh you were there (laughs) (laughs) um but when she runs for the car and she like jumps in and she's a bad driver and like barely taps a tree and then gets out and runs off and I was like what the fuck are we doing um and she gets to the house and then we switch over and it's like oh she's not gonna be our lead character it's actually Ben surprise I just I I love that setup because like a lot of times you're like here's our final girl we're stuck with her even if we don't like her 
And they're like, no, she's furniture now. Bye, Barbara. <laughs> we gave you a good chase scene, and now you're done. Now you're just going to be uh, hysterical the rest of the film, pretty much. <laughs> right? Which was a choice. It, it was, was, a, it choice. was a choice. It was a 60s. It was a choice. It was a choice. And then some. Um, but yeah, no, let us get to this couple in this truck, because... <laughs> Their relationship also didn't make any sense because when the boyfriend comes up with Harry, is I just forgot a man's name. I was using his name. Yes, Harry. <laughs> when the boyfriend comes up with Harry and they're arguing about what to do, if they should stay in the basement or not, or if they should like listen to Ben, which clearly listen to Ben. He goes to the door. He's like, come on up, baby. I'm like, does he have a kid too? And it's this grown ass woman who's just waiting for him to give her the word of what's happening. And then he's like, here, have a seat. And Harry goes back downstairs and she asks no questions. And I'm like, using a zombie apocalypse, I need you to be communicating and asking your partner questions before he has you come upstairs when you've been hiding in the basement all night. Like, Right. Yeah, no, and they had, they also, the actors had no chemistry. They, like, I thought they were brother and sister. I, I missed him calling her baby for some reason. And I, so I was like, are these brothers and sisters? Maybe they're, maybe they're siblings too. And then they kissed and I was like, well, I hope they're not brother and sister. <laughs> very much that specific style of 60s acting where it's almost like they're stage acting so they can't interact with each other <laughs> even though they're in a scene together because <laughs> like even the way the women spoke because it was very articulate and up loud like this are very much like this and I'll take care of her and I was like who are these character voices for and I was like oh that's right it's the 60s let it go let it go let it go <laughs> right no uh, yeah, and, and then she's in the car and it's on fire. And I'm like, girl, why aren't you getting out of this car? Rewind, rewind. He was like, me and Ben are going to go get gas. And she was like, I don't want you to go. And he was like, it's just, it's fine. We're going to get gas and we'll be right back. So they get into the truck because Ben does all this work while he leaps into the truck and starts it. And then she leaps from the porch into the truck. Even though nobody invited her. Like her, she has no purpose here. This is a two-person operation. Right. And then like they drive and like the gas pump is like two minutes away. Like they could have walked there. So why is she like, you can't leave me. You mustn't leave me. I can't let you go. It's like, what kind of codependent bullshit is this? It's the and so, <laughs> I hated it. I hated it. Um, if not for Ben, I would be like a roasting <laughs> all of the women's characters. But Ben gave me so much, all of my vitamins that I don't get from the sunlight anymore. I have all of that. The words I just forgot. Um, <laughs> but anyway, she leaps into the truck because she mustn't be away from him. And she rides these like two feet to the gas pump. And I was like, that was dramatic. And, and then has the audacity when shit goes wrong because Ben sets the truck on fire being worthless. What? <laughs> how do you not? How do you not know how to pump gas? I don't drive. I know how to pump gas. How? He's just like ooh, 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 like a clown. I don't understand. Ben's like, watch the damn flame. He's like, I can't. I'm worthless. I mustn't <laughs> do the right thing. And so, and so he sets the truck on fire, and his idea is to jump into this flaming truck. <laughs> Which, I mean, I guess it's a plan. I don't know if it's the plan I would have chosen, but he jumps into this fiery truck and the he drives only, it. The only defense I can make of it is he says, we have to get this away from the pump. Okay, fair, but the pumps are, the, there's fire all around the pump anyway. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, you set it on fire. <laughs> You're you've already done the damage. You like, need so, to go. <laughs> right? He's like, I don't want the truck to have part of this fire. I need to have its own separate fire. And so <laughs> he hops in and he drives another two feet. And he's like, Come on, baby, let's get out. And she's like, my jacket is stuck. And he gets back into the fire truck for her. <laughs> and they blow up. And then the zombies rightfully eat them like a barbecue because you know what you've done? You've been fucked up, friend. <laughs> These are some resourceful zombies. Like, they're not just going to rip you rip you apart. They're like, they got weapons. And they know how to use them, apparently. Can we talk about the zombies we saw just, like, in the eating of this couple? Because, like, the guy in his boxers brought me so much joy. <laughs> I like the little girl that, like, had was some kind of something on the bone. I don't know what the props actually were. I, don't want to think about it right now. But she was like, oh. it was really funny. I just, I loved it. So I cut out to them. It made me laugh because the zombies were just like barbecue. Not on bones, looking at their fingers, still staggering around. I was like, this is a movie. Yeah, Mr. Romero. Yeah. <laughs> I liked that in this movie, we got all of our exposition or 99.5% of our exposition because Ben does give us a little bit. Um, from the TV and radio. I love that device because again, like it's better than having them be like, and then the zombies came when I was in the school building over on the Clark. <laughs> I was like, no, don't give me that. And I also just love watching these like newscasters get more and more frustrated and more and more like out of this. There's like, and then this shit is happening, dude. I don't know anymore. And when they're interviewing the politicians <laughs> they're disagreeing in front of the camera. <laughs> today <laughs> oh, right right it felt very much like Fauci trying to explain logic to everybody <laughs> last year <laughs> put a mask on right and they're like no hug the zombies and see what happens <laughs> which actually I'll just go ahead with my last note because that actually is a perfect segue into it so this movie like most good I put that specifically in there good zombie movies gives us a glimpse into the human psyche uh, of how we would act during an emergency and coming out of this pandemic, which we're still in the middle of, but we're coming, hopefully, coming out of it. Um, <laughs> it's even more obvious because like some of these things, I'm like the guy wanting to barricade himself in the basement. I was like, what's that gonna do to help you? And, and so, yeah, that's what good zombie movies do. And I appreciated that about this movie. Like this is very much, this is very much a character study of what people, do it's it's like 12 angry men but with zombies and less men and less anger and i appreciate that <laughs> because that's more interesting to me to be like what would people do in the situation as opposed to chad's gonna save the day <laughs> dun, 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 transformer and so like, <laughs> i much rather watch people lose their shit um that is exciting that is stressful that is a movie that is a film uh, nobody had it together except for Ben who was putting it together as he went because he wanted to survive which again I respect that and I feel that in my bones <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's also fun because again like looking around at all these white people Ben has definitely had it the hardest and so Ben is used to having to adapt and used to having to problem solve and used to having to put in the work and their privilege doesn't give them that um <laughs> Which is again why they're just like, no, I, we don't like what you're doing with the boarding it up. That's not good enough. But they're not doing shit. Right, right. You're just barricaded yeah. yourself in the basement. 
Right. But they're eventually going to get through the door. And what are you gonna where are you gonna go? <laughs> you didn't lock yourself in a basement with a zombie child. So like you should have any decisions anyways, Harry. <laughs> right. And yeah, no, and I like that I like uh one of your notes about this being claustrophobic, because yeah, it's only one place. Yeah, it's it's the most bottled episode there ever was. <laughs> and you know what? Because of that, this would make a really interesting, fun stage adaptation. I'm just putting that out there. I know there's been a couple of knockoffs, um, mostly like comedy improv situations, because right. that's what Chicago does. But I think that it would be really fun to have like a real adaptation. There's not one as well. Because again, you just need a house and a woman to run from a cemetery, which is easily your audience. Like, right. yeah. make the audience afraid. And it would be really, oh, it'd be so fun. Oh, I want to do one right now. <laughs> Let's talk it show. out. I haven't done a show in like a year and a half, folks. I am ready. Red set to get. (laughs) (laughs) No, like I I can see it. I can see it in my mind. I can see her and her brother pulling up in the aisle with a little light on and the audience being like, oh. (laughs) They're coming to get you, Bob. Or I want to play him just so I can say that one line. (laughs) Right? Because again, two scenes, infamy. Like that is a good job. To get you, Barbara. Of course, if I played it, it'd be real gay, which is fine. <laughs> I think it could be gay. Nobody said it, her brother wasn't gay. Like, boom. And we could write the women better if they were written in '68. Listen, <laughs> listen. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I go back and forth because, like, I do feel like it could be viewed as a commentary about the complicitness of white women. <laughs> Um, especially because they were like, let the men figure it out and we'll just rub this child who's sickly. <laughs> just like, or you could have some agency and do something. Right. Or we could have more people of color and have Barbara played by a woman of color. I, I can see that, but also I really do like the idea of, because again, like when this was first cast, nobody knew the lead was going to be black. That's a decision Romero made, like been casting. But it shifts everything because of how racist this country is. And so yeah. I kind of like the idea that he's not only like fighting to protect this situation, <laughs> but he is also fighting for this respect that they are not giving him. That's part of the reason Harry talks to him so shittily. And it's part of the reason that Barbara can just throw all her trauma at him and he's supposed to take it. Um, like when she tried to attack him because she was in shock and distress. Um, she would have never done that shit with Harry. No, yeah. And so it makes those things yeah. make more sense. That's a good point. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. I love a good person commentary. I just want to play Barbara's brother. That's all I care about. <laughs> do it. Do, just do the YouTube videos. Just make it happen. They're coming for you, Bob. <laughs> People can roll over to our YouTube any day now and you'll just be there. <laughs> They're coming to get you, Barbara, in a cemetery. <laughs> I, I do miss movies that are character studies of what people would do in wider situations. Because, like, again, we get to see a little bit of everybody except for that zombie child in the basement. And they are all different people we know. <laughs> um, and so that is exciting to see how they work together and don't work together, especially when you have that layer of racism across it. That's exciting and intriguing. And yeah. I wish more movies could do that and would do that. And, you know? and speaking of the stereotype of black of black men, it was nice to see him care for Barbara and really stick up for her. Because Harry was like talking down to her from day one and, and he was like, no, sir. Yeah. 
And again, it goes back to Black people being respectful of everybody else and wanting to help everybody else and then like be mistreated because of it right. um, or being abused because of it. And so like that commentary is still very fucking relevant today, which is why I, I keep Googling to see if there's going to be more articles bringing this back up today in this year of 2021 especially because like we just don't get a lot of black male leads that are not stereotypes and not offensive <laughs> um in mainstream art unless it's created by black people and even then you fall into the them situation um <laughs> so like no, it, comment. <laughs> no comment i mm. and so i just i don't know i'm tired i'm tired of seeing I'm tired of not seeing people of color in general be final people and our lead genre movies without it being stereotypes. Cause like we just watched, oh my God. <laughs> we just watched Freddy versus Jason right before this. <laughs> and it is very problematic. In so long. We hadn't either. We had none of us had seen it in at least a decade. And but somebody's doing it for their podcast, so we were like, let's do this real quick. Um, and so yeah, I I hate it. I hate it. Like we could we could literally have a bingo of how badly black people are treated in each horror movie, and it would be a sad game that we would all win, if you call that winning. Um because <laughs> she has to ask if you're all right, <laughs> gotta die first. There will be some sort of stereotype that just always is. Bad wigs for days. Bad wigs for days. For days. Right. I still just hope, like I said before on this podcast, I really hope that Kelly Rowland did not ad-lib that line that I hate from that movie. But That whole scene, I, I blame on the writers because Freddie throws racism at her and she throws homophobia at him. And then the director and the editors and everybody was cool with it. And so people were like, don't do that. And they're like, we didn't do anything. That was Kelly. And I was like, mm. that went through a lot of people to not have had a thought before people called you out for it. Right, right. Yeah, that is another issue that I have with a lot of the genre because people are like, I'm fine being homophobic and anti-Black until somebody says something. And then all of a sudden I'll write a sad apology tweet. <laughs> and it's like, or you could just be a better person to begin with, good sir, because your movie was shit to begin with. Or you'll throw someone under the bus like they did Kelly Rowland and like they did the guy from Nightmare on Elm Street too. But we don't have to. Yeah. No. But while we're parked on this, because Kelly is central to a point I forgot I was making. Um, <laughs> she is in this friend group, but she is the one with low self-esteem and wants plastic surgery. Mm -hmm. And she's also the only Black person with lines. And I'm just like, we couldn't, we couldn't look at that, especially because it's Kelly Rowland, who was a Destiny's Child member. Who was gorgeous. <laughs> You had to put her in bags in this movie to make her look like a normal person. And she's the one that has self-esteem issues. And so I just, yeah, I black people are not treated well, but that's an ongoing rant I have. <laughs> um, and that's another reason why this movie is amazing and exciting. And I, I love it, even though the ending is hard as fuck to watch. Because again, he did all the right things. He obeyed the rules and then was shot by the police, which again, is a commentary that is present right. um so yeah yeah it was, really, it was really interesting that of course like of course racism and that plays into any time you put a black person on into a story or whatever a movie you know what i mean but there there wasn't any like super racist dialogue like harry was never like you n-word or you yeah. you're black so i can't listen to you it was just it was all subtle and I think that's what makes it even more effective because that's more, that's the majority 
of the isms that any minority faces today is not the blatant in your face, it's the subtle and the innuendo kind of thing. The microaggressions are a real thing. I call it microaggression Monday because it's like such a fucking part of my every day. Like I was working at home in a pandemic and every time I get on Zoom, I was like, oh no, not again. <laughs> so it's like, I'm the fool for opening my computer and going to work today. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody talks about it. And when you call it out, there's like, oh no, you're overreacting. Oh no, could it be sexism? First off, there are no good isms. So stop trying to downplay it to one you're comfortable with because that's right. problematic on you. Right. And very um, telling. And very telling. <laughs> I had to have that conversation with so many people a couple months ago because they were just like, what if it's not racism? What if it's sexism? Because they understand or they think they understand sexism, even though they don't, because again, cis straight and white men. <laughs> um, so they don't get it. But they're just like, that's one that's more comfortable for us to talk about because racism is a sticky situation. And it's like, but it's also my everyday. So either you want to be an ally and a friend or you want to get the fuck out of my way. Right. And especially with your dealing with intersections and intersectionality and, and those identities anyway america can't do, about this and we will america can't <laughs> do intersectionality and it's a thing i keep coming back to like i so i met tribeca and i'm seeing movies that like will like do one group some justice and then fuck everybody else over <laughs> and i don't understand that and a lot of this could be cleared up if people would talk about intersectionality and embrace it and actually cast actors who don't just check the one box they want to check for a movie mm -hmm. um, <laughs> like i i'm tired of this i'm tired of this like box checking situation because we're like we want to do this for this one group everybody else sorry about it maybe next movie right and, and i think that's what some people are getting confused with you know, the, the whole like Oscar so white and this and that, they think that, oh, well, if I just nominate a black person, then yeah. everything is good and dandy. No, that's not yeah. the point. You're missing the point for the fucking trees. We just lost Clarence Williams the third, and that man did not get nearly enough awards. And the amount of like horror historians and writers who have never seen Tales from the Hood of all movies, Tales from the Hood, but they want to talk about how mortuary collection changed their lives. And that's bullshit. And it's problematic. Those same people skipping over his house, which has been on Netflix for almost a year now. Um, and we've been stuck in a pandemic. And so it's like, when do you have to look at yourself and be like, I am the problem. I am not engaging in Black art. Right. And how many times queer characters are played by hetero, hetero actors or cis actors playing trans people or queer coding let's talk, just get into that because i will run over disney any night of the week <laughs> growing up i hated disney but whenever i my sister would put it on i would like the villains and i didn't understand why because i was like these are villains what's wrong am i, am I dark and twisty and it's like no the villains were actually like queer coded <laughs> and so those are where the real people are and their right. personalities and disney's just like mm, ursula yeah. Disney is a huge part of my childhood, so there will always be some kind of soft spot in my heart for Disney. I, I get where other people come from. But I will say, I love this tweet that I saw the other day that was, it was a screenshot of the Disney's Instagram post for Pride. And it was like Mickey and Minnie and somebody else. They were walking under a, a rainbow and they were like, everyone's involved here. And then under that was a screen cap of a news article that was like, Disney Plus cancels Love Victor because of plans to make it slightly or uh, uh, fears that it was getting too sexual <laughs> and the tweet said is this you sis <laughs> <laughs> ah, 
a real thing. It's a real thing because people people want like the idea of being inclusive, but they don't want it to actually be inclusive. Right. Oh, and especially during Pride, especially now. I mean, it is different than a decade ago when no big companies were doing anything, but like now it's like they all have to do something. And I'm like, if you're not being real, then don't. Especially because a lot these places show up for one month of, out of the year to take people's money. One month exactly. out of the year. It would be like if Chick-fil-A was like, here are yeah. rainbow cartons. <laughs> rainbow milkshakes. But where's the money going? Rainbow milkshakes. <laughs> I, I hate that. I hate that. I hate that. It, uh, I Part of my sign off when I quit this most recent job was pointing out that what we were about to do had I stayed here would have been akin to what theaters across America are doing where they were like Black Lives Matter was trendy last year so we put up a statement but now we're done with that because it's not trendy anymore and that's not that's not real allyship that's not real help that's not real change that's not real work being able to spell DEI does not mean you're doing DEI you have to actually fucking listen and learn and do better and you can't be like well we did it for two months so it's good right that's like when I eat a salad and I'm just like, I had my vegetable for the year. I'm done, right? I'm going to live forever. That's, I know that's, I know it's not true. <laughs> that's my idea of dieting. <laughs> right? I did it for a month. It should lose weight, yeah. right? Right? Like when I mix liquor and alcohol to hydrate, I know deep down that is not how water is intended. <laughs> Listen, I still tell my brain that it is, so it's fine. <laughs> oh, I do it, but I know it's wrong. And that's right. all I'm asking from theaters in America is to know what they're doing is wrong and own that shit. To be like, you right, we fucked up. We cared for one week or pretended to care for one week, but we want to do the Shakespeare because we do. Um, just own it. Just own it. Stop pretending. Stop being like, oh, I don't understand why you're all so mad. It's like, you do. You do, Karen. You do. Because again, like I haven't actually seen In the Heights because I don't like musicals, but I'm going to see it because like musicals with people of color, I will automatically play just because. Um, and like there's this discourse because like Lin-Manuel Miranda forgot about the Afro Latinx people who should be in this movie because of where it's set and all this and so people have been leaping his defense out of no fucking where um right Rita Marino, he apologized and said that we were wrong he, was he wrong. did he did he was like i fucked up um which again that's a big step is to be like i fucked up because that's the part of the conversation starts and so if he can say i fucked up why is rita moreno over here on stephen colbert being like uh why can't y'all just wait <laughs> especially when she she was one of the actors who they darkened for West Side Story in her day. And so that feels especially icky now because like back then you can you can sort of sympathize to be like back then there weren't a lot of roles for like next people. And so like maybe she wasn't okay with it but didn't feel comfortable saying it. And then to hear her now and today out of nowhere defending Lin-Manuel Miranda's choice to do this even after he's been like, I fucked up and I need to like own that. It feels sticky because she was trending today on Twitter and I was like, oh no, is she sick? Or it's like, oh no, she's saying the wrong things. I'll just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> so many things. Too many things. <laughs> but that's why this movie is still relevant because like, what has gotten better? <laughs> <laughs> Literally. No. Okay, well, let's get to our hot takes of for this Night of the Living Dead business. Awesome. Um, I My hot take is I wish that I was more surprised by how many people who are not Black think he was mistaken for a zombie at the end. 
Um, <laughs> again, the amount of people who are not black and don't believe and won't engage the conversation that he was not mistaken for a zombie at the end when he was shot um, is not surprising, sadly, because how many zombies had guns in a window during this zombie apocalypse that is taking place in this movie? Right. I don't know how much more obvious this racism could be. And when people come at me with that, they thought he was a zombie. I'm just like, no, you, you're not watching the same movie I am. I mean, yeah, the, they say that there's movement in the window, they see the gun, and they shoot. And they right say between the eyes. Yeah, they say they shoot him right between the eyes. And if you can see him that clearly, you know he's not going, uh, the, the, the. like, you know. Yeah. There are clearly zombies and there are clearly not zombies. This was straight up racism, especially because again, these were like sheriffs and deputies and like we know how the police began. Um, so like the fact that, the fact that people who get paid to do script analysis and are paid reviewers and paid critics are just like, no, they thought he was a zombie. I, I am just like, who are you lying to? Is it me, Barb? Is it me? <laughs> Oh, that's a Barbara. Barbara wasn't lying. <laughs> She's just hysterical. <laughs> I'm coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> My hot take is that this is one of the reasons why I love doing this podcast is because, like I said at, at the top, I had never seen this movie. It was always on my list. Don't get me wrong. Don't give me hate on the DMs. But like, because it was always on my list to watch. It's just, there's always a new something coming out or there's always a television show I need to binge or, you know, whatever. And so it just keeps getting pushed to the back of the line. And so I love doing this podcast that it's like, no, now you have to watch it. And I was like, okay, good. And I really enjoyed it. And I'm glad I watched it. And yeah. So that's my hot take. I, I love that because like that is part of our thesis. <laughs> because like we didn't want to sit around doing like a bunch of I forgot his name. I, I don't like his movie so much. I forgot his name. Um, <laughs> Cabin Fever. Um, oh, I can't think of his name either. I have to Google because I can't drag people who don't remember their names. Hold everybody. I do like Cabin Fever though, but yeah, we don't want to mm. only do him. Eli Roth. That's who I'm dragging. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> Eli Roth, he's creepy for many reasons and we nobody's talking about it, which is upsetting. Um, but I don't, I, I didn't want to sit around talking about a bunch of his movies. And I didn't want to sit around when I was like, I'm uncomfortable with what he's doing to people and having people be like, shut up, <laughs> which happens a lot on the internet, especially when you have the audacity to disagree with people when they were like, Lords of Salem is a great thing. And you're like, when, where, how? Um, <laughs> and so I love that. I love that Shutter TV threw us this, especially on my birthday. I felt so honored because I, I wanted to cover this for a while. I wanted to rewatch it as an adult, um, especially after watching Horror Noir last year and like just sort of like having it drive home the things I missed as like an infant. Because <laughs> as a kid, like at least at the age I watched it, because I, I was way too young to watch this shit. Um, but at the age I watched it, I wasn't like, oh, these like, these subtle wisps of racism. Oh, <laughs> um, this is what the police are really for. And um, so like to see it now, it, it it is even more of a great piece of art um, because again, as a kid, I liked it because zombies. Um, <laughs> but I like it for a lot of things and I can contextualize it better because I'm uh, supposedly an adult now. Boom, agreed. All right. 
Well, we'll get back to you with the stage adaptation of this film <laughs> once we have yes. enough money to pay for the rights because I'm sure they're expensive. Um, Hit up at Patreon, help us out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, next up, we have May the Devil Take You Too because that's what was on Friday night, June 11th at 6.30. And it's a sequel. So we should do the first one, right, Trent? Because it's on Netflix? Yeah, but we might only let that be a Patreon episode. So what should they do, Sheree? I think they should again hit up that Patreon. Because um, there's exclusives up there. Like, for instance, did y'all know we covered Ginger Snaps back? We snapped back, too. <laughs> And there's other like cool bonus things for our Patreon subscribers because like if we're gonna take your money, we're gonna give you a good time. Like, like blooper reels. <laughs> right, right. Like reviews of things we saw at Tribeca that we had interviews go up for on the main pages. Right, right. But anyways, yes, <laughs> make sure you sign up for that Patreon so you might get that. The first May the Devil Take You. I'm assuming, I'm assuming that's the title, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be weird if it was like May the Devil Take Me. <laughs> that's a poor way the devil to take us all that's, that's, that's a poor the of... way the devil took me what <laughs> all right we're getting off the rails here thanks for listening again. <laughs> thanks for listening everyone and make sure you stay fierce out there bye